Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. My name is Matt, and I'm here with Pastor Jamal. Yo. Pastor Todd. Hello. And with Tara Matthews. Yeah, hey. You're Tara, Ooh. so glad that you're here joining us today. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Bienvenidos. Gracias. <laughs> it's nice to have a celebrity on. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's true. <laughs> In my dreams. You are a celebrity around here. That's what I think. <laughs> that is actually a fact. Oh, jeez. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, glad that you're here, Tara, hanging out with us. Um, we're actually in a different setup today. Uh, next door, we're, we're in the main building because Building B had a pipe burst on Saturday night. Prayers for Building B. Oof. Yeah, so um, it actually could have been a lot worse. There was a wedding Saturday, so Pastor Jeff was here, Hope was here. They basically caught it. I mean, it would have been a nightmare Sunday morning. So, you know, doing some ripping up some of the floor and stuff, everything. So the things that are crazy about that, they actually came earlier to clean up, but the wedding went long. And uh, well, the, the reception kind of that they did out here went a little bit long, so they left and came back. And when they came back is when they found it. So thank goodness they weren't able to actually clean up when they were supposed to. Yeah. Because then they probably wouldn't have gotten it until the next day. So yeah, kinda like those weird things about how it was a pain in the butt that they had to leave and come back, but then God used it for them to find the water. So yeah, yeah. He said it was six inches of water when they found it. So, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I know that that is Pastor Jeff's worst nightmare. Ever since the flood of, uh, like, years and years ago, we had that massive, like, flood downstairs, which actually brought about the renovation of building b to what you what people know it as today okay but that was and when i tell you that was a team effort i mean we're talking for at least three days round the clock people were in there with shop vacs like you know squeegee with the big squeegees you know the ones like that cover like at least three three of the three feet of the floor like just you know just doing all this work and like and it was like rotating people like we had people who worked at like Wawa it, during the night would get off Wawa, show up here in the morning and be like, all right, well, what do I need to do? So like Sheesh. that was like and that was like I remember Pastor Jeff was high stressed. But at the same time, it was really amazing seeing so many people from the church come together in that regard. So when I heard that there was a flood this past Sunday, I was like, oh, Pastor Jeff's probably like he's probably ready to like blow up right now at this point. Yeah, well, I know. Yeah, shout out to, well, Pastor Jeff, Hope, Bob. I know John Maneri came like out as 1130 well. 1130 or something at yeah, night. Yeah, at night. The I, Palisanos? I, I, I got a text message at 1 o'clock in the morning saying, hey, by the way, there was a flood. So oh that's like roughly when they were done. Yeesh. Yeah. Shout, shout out, out to you guys. Shout out. Shout out. Yo, getting some extra crowns, uh, extra jewels in the crown in heaven. <laughs> you know, throw out Jesus' feet. All right, so hey, excited to talk. Uh, we didn't actually record last week either, so we're gonna kind of just uh, talk about both Sundays, kind of just see where it goes. We had some thoughts, some great discussion actually before we were recording. So we'll see how much we kind of bring into it today. But one of the things that I love about the podcast is just talking about some Bible and Bible context. And back when we kind of started, that's something Pastor Jamal was saying is you know, hey, sometimes in the Sunday sermon you don't always have time to go there or unpack this fully. And so I wanted to start with, um, I preached two weeks ago. I did a sermon called Drop the Rock, and I preached from John 8. And uh, again, we'll just take it where it goes. We don't have to stay only in that passage, but just to kind of start us off. Um, I did talk about some context with that verse. Like when I went to study it, you know, even some of my commentaries, I have one commentary that um, refuses refused to commentate on it comment on it whatever because they're like well it's not originally it's not in the earliest manuscripts so we shouldn't even preach from it blah 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 and i was like oh dang you know i wanted to you know preach from this passage so i did some research obviously um and i found like an article written um, by biola on this passage and kind of how we should use it i like what they said and i i said some of it in the sermon that basically like um it's been in the scripture so like there's something to say about that that it's not in a separate book or whatever it's been, it's made it into scripture. We've known about its origins and for 1300 years, the church has kept it in. 
And um, they said, so a, a way to understand it is maybe to treat it as a passage on probation that you, to strip it entirely of its rights and its usage in church would be wrong. It's in there. But we want to make clear, well, okay, here's the history behind it. And typically in the Bible, like when stories are implemented, they're there on purpose. They're telling a greater narrative. They're not simply, it's not just an allegory to interpret however you want. And so that's why why this particular story is a little tough because it clearly is inserted. So it's not, you know, so again, so I didn't unpack why was it inserted there particularly. I had come up across a couple of things. I said, I think maybe it was in John because... John gives us um, these pictures of Jesus one-on-one with people. It's not simply his teachings. They're very, like, um, detailed instances of Jesus with this one person. And so I was like, you know, maybe that's a reason. But I know, Pastor Jamal, you had thoughts. I was telling you this before I preached that I wanted to preach from this passage. And you were saying, oh, what did, what did you research? Because you had known some stuff. Yeah, I had um, a while back ran into some conversations about this passage that made me kind of dig into some stuff. And one of the things that came across that I came across was um, the reasoning behind why this particular story was placed here in scripture really has to do with um, what's chronologically taking place in regards to the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, and in the Feast of Tabernacles, there are a bunch of different ceremonies and gestures that um, the rabbi would do um, in accordance with that festival that seemed to be in correlation to something that Jesus did specifically in the passage with the woman um, caught in adultery. Uh, it said that like um, one of the things a priest would do during this time in the Feast of Tabernacles is they would write the names of, uh, or excuse me, write the sins of the people in the sand. And as they would pour water over this particular altar, um, it would symbolize refreshing, but then the water w- would run down from the altar mm-hmm. into the sand where the people's sins were and then wash them away. And oh, so shoot. like it was this kind of symbolism that, hey, we understand that this refreshing brings about a newness of crop because it was also right like getting ready for uh, feast um the tabernacles is shelter but then it was also like hey we're going to be talking about soon um the harvest that's going to come from you know the things that we do um, agriculturally so but the idea is that as a newness for new crops and new plants and new fruit to be produced w- would be kind of like highlighted it is also hey a newness of like self like you're being renewed in the sense of these things are being washed away and so the reason why I think, and, and in the particular article that I was reading, <clears throat> the reason one of the reasons why they found that this would be the place to put this story, it was never in question like what Pastor Matt was saying, that it happened, but it was just like, well, where did it happen? The reason why they put it there is because what Jesus does in the sand mm. s- is very much symbolically like mm. uh, kind of like a parallel to what was already taking place or had taken place um, with the Feast of Tabernacles during that time. And so it made sense for them, uh, you know, maybe scholars, whoever they say, look how look at these parallels here, you know. And the reason why it hit so hard to those people in this particular story is because you were just at this ceremony. Yeah. So you really understand here what's taking place. Um, and so I've heard pastors and preachers say Jesus was writing the sins of people, you know, in the sand. But when I kind of like researched for myself, I was like, oh, that would make sense why this th- theory would be out here, because it is tied to this particular festival where the priest would do this very same thing. But the symbol, the symbolism of it being washed away brings this attitude of, you know, thankfulness, I would assume, to the people. They're like, yes, thank you know that God is gracious to wash our sins away. But, you know, and this and it's almost like it almost like bolsters, I think, you know, your your message even more, Pastor Matt, that they were just at this particular ceremony and then turned around and and immediately like, you know, find themselves in a situation where like, oh, well, let's talk about this lady sin. And, you know, you're almost like, well, bro, you it's I mean, for for being real, for being honest, you know, sometimes we do this like as Christians, we'll Uh, listen to a message on Sunday and then Monday rolls around and, you know, it's, you know, you're back at it, you know, like with the same yeah. stuff that you laid down at the altar. And it's like, so in that regards, you know, if you're quick to maybe dismiss yourself from the message, you're almost immediately snatched back into place because this is what we do. You can say, oh, man, look at these guys. I can't believe they would do this to this lady. But in reality, how many times do we listen to a message on Sunday and then turn around Monday 
and then forget everything that you know that the Lord had done, or or dismiss it. No, I just thought that was pretty pretty interesting. So no, that's really cool and um, something that something I love. I love apologetics and stuff like that. So when it comes to kind of scholarship and understanding Jesus today, more and more they're kind of they say it like this: like he's being rediscovered as um, like a Jewish person. At, that sounds weird. There's there's a more clear way to say it. Sorry, but um, like that Jesus was a Jewish person during Second Temple Judaism. So understanding his life in that context. So mm-hmm. and that's a great example that you just brought up. So like Jesus writing the sins in the sand. That's just a powerful image by itself, and that's maybe how we would understand something Jesus did. But like a hundred percent of what Jesus did has like ties to something else, and so understanding that that context of Jewish world uh, at that time. And so now Jesus's action is even referencing that more and more people are like kind of realizing this is how we need to understand Jesus. Like everything he did, the stuff that he taught, um, there's a greater context to it, which is really cool. Really interesting to me. And again, for me, this is what I've been saying for me, this kind of stuff, it makes it less mystical in that sense. It's not just this, thing in the air we said well and then jesus did this why because i don't know but it, it brings it a little more um le- a little less mystical but it it makes it still feel totally real um you know i don't think it takes away i think it just like you said bolsters uh the scriptures and the truth of jesus and his life so i find that really interesting some other stuff that i found just about chapter eight really quick was why would it possibly be answered there right after that story in verse 15 Jesus says that you guys are judging according to the flesh, but I don't judge anyone. And then even if I do judge, my judgment is just and stuff. So they, you know, like it fits really well there. They're judging this woman. He says, don't do that. And then says, you guys judge. It it just fits very well. And something else that I noticed too is at the end of the chapter, you know, the book of John has the seven I am statements by Jesus. And this one actually, I think maybe doesn't technically count. Uh, It's like a maybe because he says before Abraham was born, I am but then they picked up stones to throw at him. And again, I just kind of stood out to me that in this story, they pick up to throw stones at the woman. Obviously the story plays out. And then he has this whole conversation with the Pharisees and it ends with, they want to stone him too. Um, so those are some things I noticed and, and had read when I was studying. So as to why it's there. Um, but so, so some cool stuff. I, I like, I like unpacking uh, the context and stuff, even um <clears throat> the uh, story that Pastor Jeff referenced yesterday in his message about Jesus asking John, do you love me? That's in the epilogue of John, John chapter 21. If you read it the right before verse 21, Jesus, uh, John says, Jesus did a lot of other things. Actually, you know, uh, there's so many things, but I wrote, I selected these ones so that you'd hopefully believe in Jesus. And then 21 is written and then it ends again. Well, actually, I guess if we wrote down everything Jesus did, you know, we just wouldn't even have books in the world. And so it's it's really cool. But even that, some people feel, was it maybe added a little bit later? So again, just I think that's kind of neat, um, kind of how it works. It's just cool discovering that stuff. And that's not the only places that it seems like think stories were specifically put together for the meaning. Yes. Uh, when you read about how Jesus was on his way to heal a little girl who everyone thought was dead and an old woman touches his hem and is healed who's been yes. sick for a while. Like those may not exactly have happened back to back, but are put there for a reason. And it's because it, it, it shows Jesus healed a woman who had been sick for forever. Jesus heals a g- little girl who's dead. He heals an older woman. He heals a younger woman. Yes. Like it, they're sometimes grouped that way by the apostles as the spirit led them yeah, to bring about those um, not contradicting uh, when you're compar- comparing contrasting yeah. things yeah. so that we get a bigger picture of who Jesus is. So, I mean, you may be looking at one specific scripture and saying, well, this wasn't in here, so I'm just going to throw it all out. But really the way scripture is inspired, that happens quite frequently where the stories are put together so that you understand that it's, bigger than just the events that were actually yeah physically taking place there's more to it and it helps us understand god better you know yeah so. yeah so yeah, it's some cool stuff uh okay, I, I could talk more about it i just i love the stuff but uh <coughs> so maybe but, sorry no but I, I will say like i did i did um 
you know, I, I enjoyed your message on, uh, not Sunday, uh, this two, two Sundays ago. Sorry. Yeah. I'm it was a Sunday, but yeah, it was a Sunday, but not the Sunday. Uh, but I, re- I did enjoy your message from two, from two Sundays ago. Um, I thought it was really good, you know, and I thought that, um, your points were actually like really, really soft, like, like in my mind, just the, the you know the practicality that that followed through or you know that you follow through with i thought was really really solid um um because you talked about you know stop measuring sin you know st- see the story and then focus on you which you know shout out to john maneri when he was in youth group growing up that kid all the time would just yell at people take the plank out of your own eye like yes. about stuff that like honestly like didn't like matter like i mean it'd be like hey do you want you want to you know you know because back then our snack bar was like gushers and like fruit roll-ups you know the, the og snacks you know mm. and uh you know and so you know it'd be like oh do you want a gusher uh yeah sure which color do you want uh green you like green don't judge me. Take the plank out of your own eye. Like that's just kind of how, <laughs> that's a, yeah. then, like, you know, that, like it was just like about gushers, you know what I mean? But so, um, but so that honestly, that made me think of him when you, when you said, you know, focus on you, take the plank out of your own eye. But, um, but I, I did have a question uh, when you talked about, you know, stop measuring sin. I had a thought and then I had a question. Is there a difference between judging and condemning? You know, is there are are they are they synonymous are they one and the same or is there a distinct difference uh in those two things i, I just want to hear you guys thoughts yeah you guys can weigh in um <laughs> yeah. that's a great question um i think that judging can lead to condemning um that judging can be condemning at times but i also think that judging is lesser than condemning <laughs> that makes sense so you're saying there's a difference they're, all, they're, they're mostly different but um i don't know i think that as christians or as you know people that live in our flesh um we it's we're more easy it's easier for us to condemn right um when we look around and see people living differently than us or um you know choosing to do whatever they want um whereas and I think condemning also is like can be more verbal. I don't know if that's just making a statement there. Like when you when you outright, you know, call someone out, but that's also judging. So guys, I'm kind of confused right now. <laughs> I kind of got myself into a hole. Welcome. Welcome. So, um So difference between judging and condemning. I I I think one thing that sometimes we misuse the word judging. Mm-hmm. Like if something's wrong and we say, hey, this is wrong, that's not necessarily like judging like in a way that is bad. Like when scripture talks about not judging others, he's not talking about recognizing sin as sin. But I think I think where judging ends up being an issue is when it becomes a condemning like, hey, sin is sin and you've committed it. So you are sin or you are you are mm. beyond God's grace because you do this sin. But there is, w- throughout Scripture, we are called to look and see the difference between right and wrong. And we're called, I mean, Paul calls out people all the time for sin, and he judges that what you're doing is wrong. Uh, you're sleeping with your mom, and you're proud of it, you know? It, that mm. That's kind of wrong, <laughs> you know? I mean, when old boy is sleeping with his dad's, wife yeah yeah, 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 and he's like kick him out you know expel that brother (laughs) and actually was paul judging (laughs) and actually within that we are called to discipline within the church you know like if that's sinful then here's the here's the path laid out for that and you can't address sin unless you judge that sin is wrong but that's also different than saying hey you can't be here because you're unworthy and and i think the thing is uh i don't know if i said that right but but like the idea that jesus came not for the healthy but for the sick Mm. and so we can't throw out or deem that someone has become beyond the reach of grace i i one time heard a a um an evangelist say that homosexuals were the hardest sinners of all because god can't reach them and what i find hard about that is 
How can you be talking about the grace of God in one moment where he heals and mm-hmm. transforms and then in the next moment say, but certain people are beyond the transforming power of God. Wow. Like either he's yeah, sovereign or he's not. Right. Either he died for the world or he didn't. And and so judge that certain things are right and wrong. Yes. But within that understanding that the same grace we have received that saved us from our sins that somebody else would never commit. There are sins I've committed that somebody else would never commit and can look at and be like, those are awful things. Mm -hmm. Then I can't turn around and look at somebody else and say, your sins are awful. And so Jesus could never forgive you when he forgave me of, of, you know, so there is a difference I think between judging and condemning. And I think even the idea of when we do judge, it's supposed to be even full of grace, like recognizing what's right and what's wrong, but then also understanding that I'm in the same boat as you because mm-hmm. I've got, you got a, you got a speck, I got a plank. Either way, we got junk in our eyes, you know, so. I think, um, <coughs> you know, I, I said in the sermon, uh, <coughs> the way I, I differentiated it was we can make a judgment call, but we don't want to judge or maybe a better way to say it now <coughs> just with what we're talking about <coughs> would be uh passing judgment and so i think is there a difference between judging and condemning i think the way we use the words and that's kind of what actually i think everybody's saying mm-hmm. but the way we use those words sometimes there's a difference and sometimes there isn't mm-hmm. i mean i think that's why the bible will say do not judge and then other times say it, it does you should judge and even looking at um you know, Pastor Jamal, we were talking right before we were hitting record here, and then I was looking up when Jesus says, I don't condemn you to the woman, the Greek word used there is typically translated judge or to pass judgment. So in one sense, they're the same, but I think the way we use them, they can be different. So again, so for what I said in the sermon, and, and I feel like this is helpful, at least to me, is we can and should be making a judgment call again, between right and wrong, even like you said, Pastor Todd, in the church, um, uh, maybe, maybe it's a brother or sister in Christ calling out sin. Like we're making judgment calls about right and wrong, um, and what the right decision, the right move is, but we're not judging or condemning that this is who you are then. Oh, well, you're, you're an adulterer. You're this, you're that. Um, or I'm better than you because I don't have that one. Yeah. And even like I did mention, discipline within church and i didn't finish it out but the goal of discipline is always restitution right yes and yes. restoration so even even in that end the goal is not that the person be punished for sin get their dues right but to be brought back to a place of being a right standing with god yeah and i and i think that's a big difference between condemnation and and, and I would say judging. right standing with just going off that right standing with God and with the community right. of the church. Yeah. If maybe you sinned against your brothers and sisters, you hurt them, you you gossiped about them, you lied about them, you hurt people. The goal is still the goal yeah, is not to punish you, get to be in right standing with God, that God forgives you of those sins. And then maybe you hurt somebody. But, hey, we need to be restored because yeah. we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I agree with what everyone is saying. <clears throat> yeah, the part of the reason why I asked that question is because I think condemnation definitely is a thing that unfortunately happens in the church. You know, mm-hmm. we condemn people to a specific label or, you know, condemn them as being, I think you use the words unworthy, Pastor Todd. And um and yeah, for some, in some space some regards it's, it's it's semantics, but um I would like to think too, you know, especially when, you know, Paul says there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, you know, like the way that we, as you say, Pastor Matt, make a judgment call should be restorative in nature and say, hey, you know, this is not this, you know, you should maybe think about moving in this direction or in this direction. And you're not condemning because you don't have that authority, you know what I mean, Um, to condemn someone or send them to hell, whatever, you know, damn them to to hell. But you can say, hey, listen, I think that these patterns in your life can lead you in this direction, you know, of destruction. And mm-hmm. y- you might want to hit a left here, you know, and, and hit a U-turn as soon as possible. Um, and I think that, you know, when even when I 
was thinking about this question, I, I was asking myself, I'm like, well, Jamal, are you just trying to find a reason to, to still pass condemning judgment upon somebody, you know? Um, and I'm not trying to, but I think that very, very easily you can still do that. If you make an excuse and say, well, I'm not measuring. Yeah. I mean, I'm measuring sin because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm not condemning them though. You know, like I can immediately say, yeah, I feel you, like you, know that I mean? you can easily do that. You can easily yeah. kind of like move yourself into that space, but that's not the point of this message. The point of this message is for you to really evaluate whether or not when you're making a judgment call, whether or not you're seeking for the restoration of that person across from you. Because if you're not, okay. then you're not doing it. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not living the way that Jesus is, you know, you're not living the example that Jesus has left uh, for us as believers to, to live. Yeah. Cause even within this and the context of sermon, all that, when you look at what their issue with this woman really had nothing to do with this woman. It had everything to do with trying to trap Jesus or whatever, yeah. but they wanted her a judgment call to be made on her so that they could satisfy their own grievances against Jesus. And I think, and I think that's really what, like the idea of picking up rocks, what it actually did was turn the tables and say, okay, grace is available. So those of you who would not like grace shown to you, you go ahead and not show grace to this woman. Hmm. I mean, they were, uh, I think that's one of the things that's the most appalling about this story is like, they're like, look at her. She was caught in adultery. She was using some other guy for whatever. And then they turn around and use her too. Maybe it wasn't a sexual use of her, but it was a use of her yes. to get across their own sinful desires. And I think, and I think what Jesus would, I, I think the thing about that story that really brings in this to, to light, at least as I read through it and it makes me think and thinking in that terms is like, look at all the ways that I've had to receive grace. Mm-hmm. And then to turn around and say, God showed me grace, but this woman, yeah, there's no grace for her, I, I think is where, like, we fall in the sin. Yeah, I think, yeah, we're really, I say we're really, sometimes believers are really, really good at trying to set themselves up as gatekeepers of grace. Mm-hmm. Like, as if mm-hmm. we are the ones who, you know, get to say oh well you get this grace and you get this grace uh you get kind of a little bit of grace you you get none at all um and and that's really really dangerous because then you put yourself in a position to try to sit on a throne that's not built for you you know okay so i have a thought um just kind of related from this i want you guys weigh in this is, i'm just gonna be honest or real so i don't it's gonna sound weird but <clears throat> you know that passage where jesus says um like he gives the example of like a Pharisee praying and there's a tax collector praying. Okay. You know what I'm going? You were just thinking about that. Okay. So it's like, okay, the Pharisee says, God, thank you so much. I'm not like the tax collector. And then the tax collector says, God, you know, forgive me. I'm not righteous. And Jesus says the tax collector is justified. Okay. So I'm just, yeah, I was just thinking of that. And I'm like, could you say, okay. Oh, the woman came to our church. Oh, she's been divorced three times. She, Oh, well, I'm not going to judge her. I'm not going to judge her. God can reach her. And then you go up to the altar for yourself to pray. And you're like, God, hey, you know what? Thank you that I haven't been divorced three times. Like, like obviously, I know I'm saying out loud of this wrong. So I don't know what my question is. I don't know what your thoughts were, Tara, if you were thinking of this. No, I was just thinking. I was just teaching my students this this morning, this past Oh, okay. We were talking about it. Yeah. So that's pretty wild that you brought it up. God's trying to tell me something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really have any comments on it. I just think it's pretty great like obviously jesus is saying like you shouldn't be doing that yeah so maybe what i'm saying is maybe what i what i can make an excuse of is oh i'm not judging them because i know god can reach them i'm not writing them off as irredeemable but so you know what i'll do i'll just be thankful that i i don't have all those problems i i'm not that far in sin and i guess jesus is exposing that even that is judging even that is prideful but but i think in that regards in that story there's nothing about the pharisee that seeks to be restorative towards the tax collector in any way shape or form no like he's just thankful he's not him yeah i don't like you know like i think it's way different if it's like hey you know what i know this person is going through a hard time 
Let me come alongside them and step in and say, hey, you know, is there anything you need? Like, do you need someone who can, you know, wake up with you in the morning? And, and you know, like, like it's perfect. In my mind, I know people say that accountability partners are trash, but I feel like there are gym accountability partners. You know what I'm saying? And people say, oh, you know what? I got a gym accountability partner and they go to the gym together. They work out together. They do all that stuff together and they get healthy together and, and it works. And I think that in theory, it can be the same for believers. Yeah. You know, someone say, hey, man, you know what? Um, confess your sins one to another. Hey, bro, you know, I dropped the ball with this or this and the third. Hey, can you pray with me about this then the third? Like and it allows for the relationship to seek the restoration of somebody else like in that regards. And I think it can work. I don't know if we see that in this story here with the Pharisee and the tax collector, collector, though, which is why I think Jesus is like, look at this. This is not. No, this is not the way to go about that. Um, you know, what's the, and I forget the passage of scripture that talks about, you know, if you see a brother in sin, you restore him gently. Like that's yeah. like, a, you know, you approach this situation gently. And then it even says in that passage. Oh, don't forget to be on the lookout for yourself, lest you fall into temptation as well. It's not like a. It's not like a man, you got to go and say, throw on a cape and rescue every single person and, you know, step into every situation and seek to restore. And you're so great because you threw this cape on. It's like, no, like, don't forget, you are also susceptible yeah. in this regards, but you should seek the, the betterment, the growth and the restoration of a brother or sister, you know, in, in the faith, mm -hmm. if they find themselves in this, in this scenario. So, you know, I think. So it, to to my to what I'm trying to say is you bringing up that story to me only also bolsters this you know your message even more like Jesus is trying to get this point across like hey listen yeah these these guys are judging and you know these guys are judging in this story with this um with the lady caught in adultery this guy is casting judgment and really trying to elevate himself in a situation when he should be humbling himself like okay yeah that's a good that's a good distinction. What were you going to say, Pastor? Yeah, I was going to say, it's not necessarily wrong to be like, you know what, thank you, God, for, for the marriage you've given me and that we've been together. Right. Um, thank you, God. You know, I, I could have been, been a drug addict. I could have been, thank you, God. You but I think the difference is when that story is that it wasn't so much a heart of gratitude for what God had done in his life. Right. I think it was a heart of gratitude that I'm not that person. Yeah. And is it really a heart of gratitude? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, well, he was. Elevating I mean, yourself. I'm grateful that I'm me. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. me. Yeah, I'm no, grateful. yeah, that's. And I'm yeah. grateful. I don't need it. grace like this guy. <laughs> like this guy over you know, here. But uh, maybe gratitude to the wrong king. But you know <laughs> what I mean. Gratitude to your own self, king. You know. You're right. That's it. That's that's it. So it's God. Thanks so much that I get to be me. <laughs> And th with that kind of attitude, and I know, yeah, yeah, okay, that's, yeah. Because I was going to say, I guess that's the tension. It's like, well, well, if God has blessed me in a certain way, I feel like, hey, I'm so thankful for my, my marriage, and my wife's been faithful, and we've been faithful to each other. Like, is, uh, can I not be thankful for that? No, that's the difference, is right. thanking God for a blessing versus thanking elevating God myself. Thanking God for the blessing, not thanking God that I'm not him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, there's a difference there, like, like okay, I can recognize when I, when I when I see people struggling. Sometimes I can recognize like, man, what's the difference between him and I? I, I don't know because mm -hmm. I don't know why that isn't a struggle for me. But thank thank you God that it's not. And also and like, that can be a very different attitude than being like like oh my gosh, I can't relate to that at all. Thank God I'm not them. Right. Oh you know, yeah, do, do you yeah, know what yeah, I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like yeah. like hey, but for the grace of God, that is me. And, and that, thank you God that it's it's not. And it not be condemning, but recognizing our own weaknesses and mm. our own how God intervened in those things, as opposed to saying, "Like God, hey, I got thank enough God weaknesses. I don't have that weakness." But I'm you, glad. Yeah. Know? And you know what's yeah. funny? Like, but we don't say it like that. You know how we yeah, say it? Yeah. We say it like this. We say, "You know what? I just, I will never understand how people dot dot dot." That's how you say it nowadays, as opposed yeah. to being like, "Thank you that I'm not like this." You say, "I just, I, I'm just saying, I." don't understand You're how so people right. can dot dot You're dot so right. that's exactly how yeah. you say it but it's the same exact thing yeah that's a really good point um i had something i was gonna say but i don't remember from what you were saying pastor todd but no so that's really good that those are some of my thoughts were you gonna say something same my, <laughs> my thoughts just all left me i know oh yes 
um i think it really has to do with our motives like going back to like judging and condemning like what are our motives and like pastor todd was saying like shoot we have to have grace we've been given so much grace so how can we be so willing to like throw the stone like um like the pharisees or like the pharisee in this story um and so <laughs> that's <laughs> that's just so wild like where's our heart at when we're wanting to like confront someone like are we wanting to confront them because we want to um feel better about ourselves or i also think of like when you're in a prayer group and then that person brings up oh like we need to pray for pastor matt because dot 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 or pastor jamal when like what's our motive behind that like are we really seeking for the betterment for the restoration of our church or of our people or are we trying to seek for our i don't know self-gratification <laughs> and i know. and you're right and i and my quote so i have a thought and then maybe we can move on i know that we spend a lot of time here but because i feel like there's somebody who can listen to this podcast and say well yeah, I, I understand all that, but like you just don't understand how much grace I've already given this person. That's true. You don't know you don't understand how much grace I've already given this situation or this scenario. You know, how much is how much is when is enough enough? I think every person feels that in life. But I'm I'm actually curious about for Christians when when is enough enough for us in regards to offering grace with the intent of restoration. Um that's where is that where is that line where's that limit that's crazy um personally like having encounter situations like that like i recognize that i've given as much grace as i can i just have to step back from the situation like maybe distance myself from that relationship because it's just not like i'm not going to be able to help them it's really like the lord has to do a work in their heart so ah, i don't know yeah i think of that proverb like when it comes to maybe something like that as a dog returns to its vomit so a fool returns their folly yeah and so in the sense of a relationship or a person maybe somebody has an addiction in your family and they've Mm -hmm. taken advantage or something so jesus says to forgive always 70 times seven you're always forgiving um but again that's why i what i said in the sermon was we can make a judgment call to use wisdom and discernment. Yeah. So like if I continue to give this person money to empower an addiction, yeah. I'm not forgiving them, I'm empowering them. So I need to continue to forgive them in my heart, which maybe becomes more, more and more difficult over time if I've tried to extend grace to this person. But that doesn't mean I can u- I, I can still use wisdom in how I move forward in that relationship or the boundaries I set with a person. Mm-hmm. But but we don't want that to be an excuse. Oh, I've tried. Well, this person, they just won't change. Like, okay, well, sometimes I still need to do the changing. But in those ex- instances, mm-hmm. maybe that is the right thing. I need to set boundaries. I'm not able to extend grace or I, I'm not able to live the way God wants me to if things don't change between us. Because maybe maybe it is this person hasn't changed. So I can use wisdom, but I, I can't condemn that person still, you know. Yeah. So uh, not to beleaguer it, but um, I guess I'm just thinking about grace shown to me. And grace shown to me does not mean I should be given permission to keep doing what I'm doing. Mm. Because then if you're loving me and you really love me and I'm wrong, I need to know I'm wrong. Because in otherwise, I'm going to keep being wrong. You know what I mean? And so I, I guess I'm just trying to think of like even like in, in my marriage, like if I'm wrong as a father or I'm wrong as a husband, I want Steph to show me grace. But then on the other hand, I also need to be corrected. Because... Grace can't be an excuse for me to keep doing the wrong thing. And I I think maybe how that plays out is different in each circumstance because how you approach it has to be different. Like if it's a one-time sin, that you handle differently than someone who has an addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, a person who has no remorse and has shown grace... Uh, you have to handle that differently. 
here's grace. Grace is I'm not going to hold this against you, but also part of grace is I'm not going to let you keep drawing me into you doing this. You know, so I, I think it really depends on each situation, how that gets applied at the, at the rubber meets the road point. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I say that saying, I also can't use grace as an excuse to just do whatever I want either. You yeah. Know? And, 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 and sometimes we're like, well, you can't judge me. And it's, and it's more conviction mm-hmm. <laughs> and we just don't want you to tell me I'm wrong. You know, I, I, I don't know. I think maybe there is a reliance in the Holy spirit that comes with, within how that actually plays out that you can't always, um, put in the solid rules mm-hmm. about how to do that. Yeah. I, I was just going to, the one thought as far as us personally, I think if you're demanding grace, then I think that means maybe you are taking advantage or you're trying to justify me personally. So we're talking about if there was another person, but if it's me, well, you stop judging me. Well, you you should, you have to give me more grace. Those maybe types of words are showing that I'm trying to just justify, you know, not changing whatever, like just to your point. So, yeah, I, sorry. My, so grace, I'm trying to, I guess put your what you're saying, Pastor Todd, in like a kind of like one little blip for my brain. Grace is something offered so that we can get it right, as opposed to mm-hmm. continuing to live in whatever. Yes, absolutely. Grace is offered. Grace is a chance to get it right, to get it to to make a change, to make mm-hmm. the adjustment towards restoration. And I think Mm -hmm. like the idea of grace is unmerited, whatever. I think sometimes like part of part of that is uh, maybe grace isn't the right word for this, but it is an act of grace when Jesus lets me get caught in my sin. Because then it brings me to the point of where I have to deal with it. And I'm not I'm not. I'm not. That's when Jesus. I'm not always saying when <laughs> when you catch me in my. He's like when you catch me. That's it. No, no, no. I'm talking about when but Jesus. But do you know what I mean? Like, like sometimes we think of grace as simply like letting things go. Um, uh, maybe not. I don't know. But, but like, mm. I think it can be a work of Jesus's grace when I r- I get to the point where I can't continue on my sin without feeling the consequences of it. No, that makes sense because the wages of sin is death so if the wages of sin is death but instead of death you receive you know opportunity to repent and and transform yeah yeah you know like i and that makes sense because how many times have you heard a story about somebody who was caught in an addiction and they were thankful that they were discovered yeah yeah. what's the quote that you you won't change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change Mm -hmm. so sometimes being caught or being caught, whatever language you want to yeah, use, yeah, or our sin, our yeah, our sin being thrown in our face, whatever that means. Sometimes, right, that is the best thing that can happen to us because until that happened, I was just going to keep going down the road, like. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't justify us being jerks about it, right? Okay, being like, oh, you're you're a sinner, you're an awful person. Like that doesn't justify us being like, well, I'm just trying to help you out by mm-hmm. letting you know how bad you are. You yeah, know right. what I mean? And, and we do that in our relationships, really good. Yeah. To shift the blame. To shift the blame. Oh, but, yes. you know, and then it's right. And then if we, because the reality too, like if you're the person who is, you know, you know, the sinner, you know, the other one in disobedience, you know, the question is, do you love the Lord? You know, and if you love the Lord, you know, then your life should look like kind of like the points Pastor Jeff brought up in his sermon on on Sunday. Um, when he talked about that in his sermon, do you love me? Um, you know, he talked about signs of true love, our sincere longing for fellowship seeks to please. It seeks to be, you know, be, um, entirely one with the person. Um, and so he talked about those things. And then he also talked about how obedience is this thing that co- it's the byproduct of the relationship. You know, it's mm-hmm. the fruit of, um, your relationship with Jesus. And he talked about how obedience, proves your salvation it transforms our lives it springs from our love for jesus and then it characterizes our walk 
uh, with Jesus, which I really, really love this passage um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, or Well, he brought up a particular passage, John chapter 14, um, where Jesus is, you know, talking to the disciples about remaining in his love. And he talks about, you know, like um, he asked the question or he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. That's mm-hmm. that's what Jesus says in the passage. And so I love that passage because I always use it as a point of reference with students when we like when, if we're pre- if I'm preaching or whatever. I'll ask kids. I'm like, you know, how many of you guys in here love the Lord? You know, and they'll raise their hand. You know, like, all right, great. How many of you guys struggle with keeping his commandments? You know, <laughs> and they're like, uh, uh, I'm like, yeah, well, if you struggle with keeping the Lord's commandments, raise your hand. And more often than not almost all the time they everybody raises their hands you always get that yeah. one kid that's like no man i don't struggle i don't struggle at all like you know Whatever. he talks to me and i do it oh, oh really oh, okay nice. yeah all right um but what i really love about this particular passage is that in that passage and pastor jeff highlighted this about jesus says you know i will ask my father and he will send the comforter you know we are not without help to walk in obedience the holy spirit is that person who gives us the ability you know um to walk in obedience to the lord it's that check it's like should i really be doing this right like should i be here um if i really play this out how is this gonna go uh and oftentimes the holy spirit is trying to let you know yo get out you know like like that's your sign you know get out of there and i love that passage so much because although it exposes the fact that i i really stink at keeping god's commands Jesus doesn't, he literally says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send, I'm going to ask my father to send help for you. And it's like, I just love it. Cause I'm like, Jesus, you know how broken we are. Thank you for sending help. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sending the help that we need so desperately to love you. Cause we say that we love these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from it. You know, we say, Oh man, we love you so much, Jesus. And then our obedience sometimes falls flat it falls very flat and we need help like nobody's business so i i really loved that i love that passage that he brought up yeah in a message on sunday hebrews twelve four. after all you have not given your lives in your struggle against sin i mean it's pretty intense that's a and <laughs> that's the new living let me read the niv in your struggle against sin you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your own blood i mean that's pretty intense we're oh i love god <sighs> Uh, but I'm not willing to like die over not sinning. <laughs> that's pretty intense. Uh, that that's why sometimes when we talk about like when you hear about persecution and stuff, and and you hear about people who resist and and who won't turn down their faith, I'm like, man, I, that's like intense. That's intense to to love God to the point where like like you're willing to sacrifice your own life. I think we would all say in in, in in church, I think we'd all be like, oh, yeah, 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 I would do that. But in that moment, I mean, to think about, like, actually to the point where I would stand up to God, stand up for God to the point where my love for him overwhelms my own fear of death, That like, that's intense. It is, yeah. And, well, in our society, we're, we're the center of everything, and we don't really like to talk about death either. I mean, even when you think about what's well, the passage where, um, or where we were talking the one week about this, and that they had counted it, they they were lucky. Wow, that I actually could die this way. But if you think about it, everyone is going to die. So if my death can be used to glorify God, yeah. is wow, isn't that a better use of my death? Because I'm gonna die. Like, but but we don't think about that. We well, I'm not I'm not gonna die. I'm just gonna watch Netflix and do whatever makes me happy. Like that's what I'm going to do. So uh, whatever, maybe yeah, that's yeah. another conversation, but. but it does bring us to this idea of obedience. Like, yeah. like, like our love really does dictate our choices yeah. and the things that we do. And if our love for God is like that thing that guides our choices, then obedience is something we should fight for and not just be something that we do when it's easy. You know, what I was going to say, oh, go ahead, Pastor Jamal. Uh, um, I just like when I looked at, especially the beginning, the true signs of love, signs of true love, longing for fellowship, seeks to please, seeks to be entirely one. Like I thought those are even great in a marriage. Right. And I was thinking like, okay, if you're struggling, maybe in a relationship or with your spouse, like um, in a loving way, or you feel like there's some love or intimacy missing or something 
maybe you can try to do something like this. Okay, love seeks to please. Let me. Am I really seeking to please my spouse right now? Let me not worry about trying to get something from them. Let me just serve them and try to do some things that can please them, that would make them happy. Just, let me just help make them happy. Like, And maybe that there's some nurturing that goes on there. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's in a marriage. So again, maybe even our walk with God, if you feel like, well, I believe in God. Of course I do. I, I'm, oh, I think I'm saved. I'm going to heaven or whatever. But man, that love for God that Pastor Jeff was talking about, sometimes I feel like I'm not sure if that's in there. So in that sense, hey, well, maybe why don't you try to please God? Why don't you do something that, if that makes any sense, I don't know. No, I think it absolutely makes sense because, because, like in my brain, part of part of earthly marriage is it's a living object lesson for the relationship that Jesus has towards His church, right? Mm-hmm. And so within that, Jesus gave Himself completely for the church. Um, and within like. Isn't that what we're called to do in our earthly marriages too? Like yeah. to give ourselves for a spouse and not always be thinking about what what can my spouse do for me? Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and and if we go into marriage, I mean this gets into a whole different topic. But if we go into marriage with the idea of I'm marrying you because of what you can do for me, then that marriage becomes lopsided and it's all about me. And then you're going to run into problems. But if you do go with the attitude of I love you, so I want to I want to do I want to do what's the most loving thing for you. I mean, that is very difficult (laughs) to do that all the time. But if we at least that is our goal that we're reaching towards, I think that's when you see some health, like some really healthy marriages. And I'm not talking about degrading ourselves for others. I'm not talking about where I become your. Yes. your servant right. like i become your your slave uh because i don't think that's loving yeah i think loving what Go ahead. sorry no i just said that's that's fear insecurity yeah, yeah. that's fear yeah. that's insecurity i think i think loving part of loving is almost what we were talking about earlier part of loving is holding our spouse accountable because we want to see them grow we want to see them live for god in the way that he's mm-hmm. called them uh but then also like part of loving is is not manipulating <laughs> you yeah. know so so all those things come into play and That's i think right. that that ties back into the obedience thing because um if we love it's the idea of we're seeking to do what is the most loving thing for the other person what is really how is love really expressed for this person and it's not always about what i want but it's about what is best for the other and my obedience to Jesus is what's best for Jesus because it brings him glory. That's right. I hope my kids are listening right now. Don't manipulate. Stop manipulating me. <laughs> stop manipulating me with smiles and hugs and uh, and kisses. <laughs> if my kids loved me, they wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool, guys. Uh, any other thoughts that you want to share or feeling feeling pretty good? I did actually have a question. Uh, the promise, Pastor Jeff, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I saw that you had something there, Pastor Matt. I was just curious about what your thoughts were about that, about, you know, um, the promise that was that Pastor Jeff said that he saw in the midst of that scripture, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, about uh, the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God the Father making their home, uh, you know, within the person who... Um, says you know who lives their life in a way that says you know we love i love god and so therefore um i give my life and devote myself to them yeah um well i wrote down that god makes his home in us like that's i think what pastor jeff was getting at in the scripture verses he referenced in john 14 and i think 15 also just about like yeah it even says here in fourteen twenty three that you know if anyone loves me he'll keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him you know, um, and then in 15, one of my favorite verses, just where Jesus says, just as the fathers love me, I have also loved you abide in my love. And just the idea, Pastor Jeff, I think was talking about, um, that God would dwell in us again, if you're Christian or you're, you're in church, you grew up in church, you just may not think anything of that anymore. You're just used to that. But just the idea of that, how significant that is, how beautiful that is. And to what we were saying earlier, that, we're not left alone. That's what he says in first, uh, in chapter 14. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. He makes his home in you. 
Um, and that like, you know, I, I just thought that that's what he was getting at. And he, he was totally right that it's a beautiful thing that we may sometimes take for granted or maybe don't even think about the significance of, I mean, the God of the universe. And I think of again, of Hebrews that we can come to his throne and find grace and mercy and help in our time of need. Like sometimes like lately when I've been praying, like I'm thinking about how, like, I'm not just asking God like to, uh, Oh God, I just kind of need some help. Oh, my car has an issue. Thanks God. You're the best. But like I'm entering into, I feel like you use language like this, Pastor Jamal, entering the throne room yeah. of God. Who else is in there right now? And God has given me access. Why? Because he's adopted me and his spirit's in me. Like th- this is insane. It's like, powerful. wow. And what am I going to ask him for? Like, I'm kind of tired today. I need some <laughs> I need energy, please. <laughs> that is that is all. That is all I need. Why? Because I was on my phone energy. last night. Oh, <laughs> Gaming it up, you know what I mean, <laughs> with the homies, with the boys, and now you're tired. Jesus, I love you. Take away the consequences for all my choices. <laughs> I mean, yeah. dude, that's a real prayer. I've prayed that prayer. Oh Lord Jesus, take away the consequences of Taco Bell. Oh God, please <laughs> remove it from me, Lord, right you, now. In the you name know, of you Jesus. Know, well, uh, you know how you avoid the consequences of Taco Bell? Not eating Taco, Don't Bell. Eat Taco Bell, dude. It's so good, though. It's so good. Actually, Taco Bell is ranked as one of the healthier uh, fast food restaurants out there because they actually provide. Because there's actually no meat in their product. Exactly. Just... Vegetarian and vegan <laughs> options are are buildable. Uh, at... it. Don't get the meat. No, option. you can. There's yeah, you can. You can build vegetarian and vegan options at Taco Bell, Unless which makes it. It makes. It, wow. <laughs> Wait, what? In Unless you're in Costa Rica. Unless you're in Costa Rica, tough. Yeah. But it actually makes it one of one of the healthier fast foods because you can actually there's like my um my sister in law she's vegan and so she'll go and she'll say can I have a black bean you know uh, tostada or a black bean and I was like oh so you're just replacing the protein. Yeah with black yeah. and i was like oh that's so good and then she was like you could you should try it I'm i like, actually did do that once and it was pretty good yeah was, see dude, but it was all my life until recently like <laughs> vegetarian taco bell i'm all about it vegetarian but you can but you can do that at chipotle too honestly and truly there's a reason why taco bell rhymes with taco smell okay maybe like 12 facts. years ago chipotle. i saw a commercial that taco bell said now 30 percent beef and I was like what <laughs> where's the rest of it you're like what's that sludge you've been giving me <laughs> so you're saying now it's only 30% beef what? McDonald's did that too for a while they had chicken nuggets that was made with real chicken white meat and I'm like stop why are what we advertise, like time to celebrate guys I'm like, oh my god yeah I get to eat real meat. but ironically though ironically here's the funny part about it. the funny part about it is it's not that they have it's not that they weren't it's not that you didn't it's not that you couldn't know what was already in them because they mark they put it on their product hey this is what's chicken in like here. nugget yeah it's <laughs> chicken product it's not chicken right. but it's chicken product. Right. so it's not like they were lying to you so if you were buying it and eating it before you had the opportunity to know you just maybe didn't read the fine print yeah. but but why, now but why you do i have so- to buy premium <laughs> chicken nuggets to have chicken in my nuggets listen and i'll tell you if you've ever if, if you've been to mcdonald's recently there the meat actually tastes like meat i was like Oh, Something it. changed. Oh, no, you no, no, must, no. no, you must have had the Impossible Burger. No, 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 no. I didn't have the Impossible Burger. <laughs> because that tastes more like meat than their regular I have burgers. not had the Impossible Burger. That's at Burger King. I haven't had that, but... And McDonald's like, oh, did they do something recently to their meat? Like it tastes. Yeah, they got in trouble. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yep. No, My family's in Lavalette. We got these donuts from this place called Colonial Bakery. My mom was like in love with it. So I, I ate one. I'm like, this is incredible. Like, why is this so good? My dad's like, oh yeah, they use real jelly. I'm like, is that all it takes? <laughs> Just reuse the real thing. That's all it takes. It's not chemical. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I mean, it's the same with even like Coca-Cola. Like when you get Coca-Cola from Mexico with real sugar Shoot. in it. You're like, oh, man, this Life's is legit. Amazing. This is really good. Oh, yeah. And then you get Coke in the States and you're like, ah. Why yeah. do we do it this way? Mm-hmm. So mass production, people. That's why. Mass production. You want it. Listen, do you want GMS, it fast? And you want, you want a lot of it? We can do that. You want it like healthy and like. 
you know, with real ingredients. Coke with real sugar is not healthy. I'm that's, just saying. Okay. I'm, I'm using. I'm using. I'm. I'm, I'm well, putting. I'm putting all of everything that we've talked about in like a category, like Taco Bell. You know, McDonald. I'm putting it all in a category. Either you want it all quick right. and fast. Or you right. actually you want real food like with real meat and Quick, real cheap ingredients? And fast. Yeah, yeah. That's so. what it is. It's cheap. Yeah. So. But it's not that cheap. I'm sorry, we're getting off topic. <laughs> Are we judging fast food places Uh-oh. right now? Yep. Are we, are no, we I'm condemning just calling price sin sin. <laughs> it's a judgment call. I think Chipotle should, I is think, better uh, than Taco Bell. But I just, I I'm, want, I'm just I using McDonald's, discernment. I want McDonald's to be redeemed, but I want them to be redeemed at a good price with real beef. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. Sorry, we, I jumped the rails there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, uh, I think yeah. we just killed the opportunity to get any endorsements from Taco Bell, McDonald's, and. Uh, I mean, they send me food all Chipotle. Well, yes, we're still in the running for Chipotle, <laughs> and and you can never talk bad about Chick Fil A. So yeah, I guess true. So. You know Jesus. it. Chicken. All right, everybody. Well, I guess that means it's time to wrap up. So uh, <laughs> enjoyed uh, you joining us today. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Thanks.